Hey, welcome to Faith Marketplace, where we equip individuals, entrepreneurs, small business owners with resources plus community to make a kingdom impact to glorify our mighty God while gaining inspiration from marketplace leaders. Hey, welcome back here on Bob Lambert, Faith Marketplace, where we interview people of faith and how they connect their work together. And boy, have I got a great guest for you today. I had the privilege of meeting Daniel in person several weeks ago when he was here in Chicago. And Daniel, uh, uh, Dr. Daniel Halleck is the Chief Commercial Officer for Wild Leaders Incorporated. And man, fasten your seatbelts because these guys have got a story. Now, I interviewed his counterpart last year, right? Uh, which is Rob um, uh, McKenna. And then um, then Daniel said, well, wait a minute, man. I want to be on too. You know, so we kind of, hey, welcome, Daniel. <laughs> so good to be here, Bob. Well, Thanks for having me. Yeah. And what a, what a treat we had seeing you a couple of weeks ago here live in Chicago with some leaders and helping them out, you know. But what I'd like to start with is uh, what I always want to let people know, kind of get a grasp of who you are and what, you, what you're about is you uh, shared a, a quote with us, uh, you know, a kind of a life quote or a verse. Uh, would you take and share that with the, the audience? And why was that important to you? Why is that verse important to you? Yeah, that's great. So I shared with you Matthew 6.33, but mm-hmm. seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And mm-hmm. I've got on my desk this little postcard picture from my wedding with my wife and I 14 years ago. And that verse is on the picture. And that became really our theme verse for our dating, our engagement, and really our family. And so I I always go back to that. And the reason that grabs me is because when I think about seeking first, we're all seeking something. That's just how we're designed, how we're wired. And I think even as we get into faith and business, I think sometimes as, as believers, we feel uncomfortable with the fact that we are seeking to build, to grow, to live out. And and so we might, we might even avoid that, but the reality is we're all seeking something. We're all worshiping something. And so for me, it's often a reminder, all these things added to you, you know, um, Jesus reminds the folks in that parable and the Sermon on the Mount that they will be clothed. They will be fed. He will take care of their needs. And I find for myself, it's so easy to become anxious to become fearful, to wonder, God, are you going to provide that next, whatever that thing is, good health, check from a client. Um, and, and so to remember the most important thing is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be added. And that doesn't mean seek first his kingdom and he's going to give you the Porsche or Ferrari, but he's going to take care of you because he knows what you need and he's a good God. And so that's just always been a great reminder for me to reorient my focus and what am I seeking first? Okay. Well, I know that you're uh, an academic of sorts, you know, even though you look like you're just fresh out of high school. Pra- academic, Bob. <laughs> Pracademic. Pracademic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, uh, what are some of the key takeaways you want the listeners to uh, get out of our, our talk today? A couple of things I hope that folks get from this talk. I first hope that they would hear that to become a leader who stands the test of time, a leader who lasts, that they need people around them. They need relational investors, as I like to call them, who are around them to stretch them, support them, and helps them strategically. And we can unpack that further if you like, but that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that relationships are much like a garden um, and that if we tend those relationships well, 
they will produce fruit, but that doesn't just mean that we get to gorge ourselves and make as many pies as we want, but that we actually get to build fruit that we can invest in and share with other people. And, yep. and lastly, that people are the purpose. Um, and I think when I look at business or organizations, I, I would challenge any listener. I'm still waiting for somebody to, to find me a business, a product or a service that does not touch people in some way. It might be negative, but all, all uh, people are the purpose at the end of the day of whatever we're doing. And, and so thinking about um, how does our God-given abilities, image-bearing, and the work we do reflect him, but also impact people, I think is a key thing. I hope people take yeah. away. And I love what you guys are doing. You know, you and, and Rab, particularly uh, getting out in the marketplace, because you guys were professors for a long time, right? I mean, you weren't really, uh, you were in the marketplace, but you weren't out there actively like you're doing now, wild leaders, which is, I, I just think the world of, I've seen your stuff. You guys came here in Chicago in person to, to uh, demonstrate it is a little bit of a taste. You didn't give us the whole deal, but you gave us a good taste of it. Good coffee. And yeah. so um, that's, you know, those are the takeaways. And in this brief time we have together, I want to make sure we get to those. But let's first, let's the audience know who Daniel is and, and what you were all about. So just a brief testimony for you, Daniel. Yeah. So I grew up in an immigrant family. My dad is from Sudan. My mom was from Venezuela. They found their way to Redmond, Washington. And Bill Gates decided to build a business in their backyard, quite literally. Um, I was homeschooled all the way, Bob, get this, till college. And wow. I lived wow. in the house that I was, I was born, I was born in the house. Like mom didn't make it to the delivery room. I was wow. born in the house. I was homeschooled. And I lived in that house till two months before my wife and I got married when I was 23. So Needless to say, I spent a lot of time in that house, but I share that I share that because people are sometimes surprised. I was probably the most shy kid you've ever met, and I had a very different um, upbringing. And even as business connects into my story, I was helping my dad clean tanning beds for a tanning salon he owned when I was a little kid, and I would do math and science at a tanning salon, and then go home to finish the rest off. So. Um, well, I got to learn about business from the grassroots, um, but you yep. also figure out that your parents as immigrants do things a little bit differently than the world around you, which was, which was fascinating. But I was so shy, Rob, uh, Bob, that I, when I would go to the, the park, my parents would joke, I would not get on the playground if there were kids there. Really? If oh, there were wow. no kids, I would get out there, but if there were kids, I would just kind of hang to the back. And if you knew me growing up, you would say, yeah, he was a pretty shy, reserved kids uh, kid. And so people, my mom is shocked that I do podcasts, that I speak for a living mm-hmm. and that I do these relationship building things. And that's, that's what I do and what I love. And I would say um, there's more to the story, but I did not grow yeah. up in a charismatic tradition, but I would okay. say my baptism experience was, was very transformational. I quite literally came out of the water right before my 17th birthday is a completely different person. The most people I'd ever had at my house was probably a handful of buddies to play some video games. Wow. And the day I got baptized, I invited 40 people over to my parents' house for a barbecue that my mom wasn't planning, (laughs) which was pretty awesome. And so (laughs) um, I grew up, I, I, I grew up knowing about faith and knowing who about Jesus but it wasn't that real relationship. And so towards the end of high school, I really was challenged to consider 
do I believe this for myself or is this just an artifact of my family that I'm going to be a good moral person, golden rule, but I'm not going to actually make this the, the thing that drives me. I came to that moment of realizing, I think one of those C.S. Lewis realizations that either this was the biggest deal ever or it's just a nice thing to have, you know, put it on the shelf. Um, yeah. And so from then, God's just written a completely different story than I ever would have expected. He thrust me into roles of leading and speaking um, and experiences that I never would have considered. And so even today, Bob, I was telling a friend recently, when I look at the ambitions I had for my life, God both um, put me in things that I desired and surpassed them. I mean, I've done things I never even dreamed were possible. I had such a boring story for myself planned out and God has enriched it and given a lot of spice um, and continues to, I think, lead it to places that are different than I would have expected. Yeah, that's what a great story. So you really, really changed it. That was pretty dynamic, that baptism for you. It was completely dynamic. Yeah. Completely dynamic. And I, I love your story, man, because a shy kid, homeschooled, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa. So how was that college experience for you? And I, and I should say, Bob, I don't want to knock on homeschoolers. We, we've homeschooled our kids and we're going to do it again. So it's funny. Yep. I look back at all the kids I was homeschooled with today. They all own companies and are doing great. So it's amazing. All those other nerdy homeschool kids with me have, have become leaders in their own right, different places. I love it. But, but, but the point being like, you would have probably voted me least likely to ever speak in public. And okay. um, college was actually fantastic because it was self-directed, much like homeschooling. Okay. And so I found it to be much more rewarding, much more interesting. And it turns out mom prepared me well. So um, first yeah. quarter in college was easier than I expected. And, um, I probably slacked off for my first couple of years because it was, re- it felt remedial. The next few oh, years got more okay. challenging, but my, I mean, my parents just, right. they prepared me really well for that experience. So, you know, you're a professor there. We got to get a bit in your background there. So help me understand that as you were going through school, what led you to believe that you really want to take on that kind of a role, you know, an, an educator role? You know, I discovered in college that the th- one of the things, and this is part of the story I think God allowed me to realize, was that I was uniquely gifted to be able to build relationships with people and help them develop themselves or groups in things that I considered pivotal to their life. So I originally thought I was going to be a marriage therapist, Bob. I woke up one day and I was 20 and single and I decided, like, let's push that off for a couple of years. Um, No one's going to actually hire me at that point. But, um, and then I considered personal training, physical therapy, being a pastor, a professor, where I realized the common thread for all those was this ability to help people, whether it's their spiritual life or their marriage and relationships or their physical health and fitness. I wanted to do something that would touch the individual, help them grow and develop in an area that was absolutely critical for their life. And so the professors I had the opportunity to learn from were people who I saw had the opportunity to speak the discipline, whatever the discipline was, was the excuse to speak into the lives of people and do it sustainably and at scale over time. And so that really was the thing that grabbed me. Yeah. I got to tell you, man, having been exposed to you live, 
uh, you know, and Rob, uh, it was what a pleasure that was. And your whole approach is just so dynamic and embracing and engaging the whole, you know, you had your whole audience. Everybody was there was, was in it with you, you know? So, uh, it was, it was a great, terrific time. And I know we're going to be having more events, uh, you know, with you guys incorporating you guys, that'll be fabulous. Um, how did you, you know, let's, let's dive into the business. Let's talk about that because I think that's really important that people know what um, Wild Leaders is all about and how it's manifested yeah. itself. Because you just joined it shortly after uh, Rob started, right? So he started in 2008, if I remember correctly. And I joined five yeah. years ago. But at any, so I wasn't there from the beginning, but I was there at a critical inflection point when the business right. was making a, a pretty drastic shift in direction. Okay. And so let the audience know a little bit more about what Wild Leaders is, how it came to be, and yeah. what you guys are doing now. So Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development. And there's a double story there. Each of us has our own wild story. But our big, <laughs> our big mission is to develop courageous and sacrificial leaders. And okay. the way we do that is through a systematic approach to developing leaders and I say systematic because, and I'm going to be a little tongue-in-cheek here, Bob, what I find conventional leadership development looks like is we shove people in a room, we give them a color, a number, a magic spirit animal, we give them a <laughs> seminar down at a hotel and we at the airport, and we call them developed, and we push them off. Right. And that, right. that's kind of like in church, if we only sent kids to a two-day summer camp. Right. And said, you have all the discipleship you need for the rest of your life. Go disciple. And, and of course, those moments are important ignition moments. But yep. for us, we realize whether it's discipleship or development, it needs a deeper ongoing system. And so that's what we've developed is a system that develops a whole person that brings in the personal, the professional, the beauty and the brokenness and helps them grow in their leadership capacity, whether that be in their home, their community or in their their workplace yeah now how is it that uh, rob and you got together so we met uh, probably about 17 years ago he had started a program our background and training is in industrial and organizational psychology which there's a whole story about what that field is <laughs> and at the time he has started the only school only program in a faith-based orientation in the country and so when I had that moment, I realized, oh, I'm not going to be a marriage therapist at 20. I thought, well, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Maybe I'll do business, but I want to do psychology. And I thought, well, there's this whole area of business and psychology blended. He had just started a master's and PhD program. And so I was in his second cohort. Um, oh, wow. And so he recruited me to be a grad student. So we built a relationship. So he's been a professor, a mentor. And then later on, um, you know, business teammate and battle partner in this journey of developing leaders. Yeah, and it's fabulous. You know, when we had Rob on, uh, you know, what I don't like about this format is it's too short, (laughs) you know, because we (laughs) you guys have got so much richness. And uh, and my my goal here is to get some of that out, let people understand what you guys are doing. Hopefully other leaders will be listening to this and uh, how they can find that this is very distinct what you're doing, you know, and helping people. So why don't you help share a little bit about what you're what it looks like uh, to become a part of, uh, you know, um, uh, wild leaders? Yeah. So we bring a system for, for people to put in their business. And we, and again, back to system, people have a system for everything that works in their business. 
They almost never right. have a system for developing their leaders capacity or creating alignment for their team. And that's, that's what we do. So people usually start with us with a two day intensive. It's a virtual experience where they get to go through a whole year long process in two days. And that mm. equips them to either understand what they're going to get into. And they invite us to lead their team through as an external partner, hand in hand, or to certify them as a train the trainer so they can go back to their team on their own. And that's one of the things I loved about Wild is we've cre- Rob created a way with the team for a pastor of a small church to take our process, get trained, do a train to trainer and do it with the three people on the team yep. or for a multi-generational business that has hundreds of employees to create a system across their organization that we run for them in a concierge approach. Um, But it almost always starts with a two-day intensive where we take them really deep, really fast, give them a memorable experience, and then send them off. Well, I can tell you, folks, I was a recipient of that here in Chicago uh, several weeks ago, and man, it was fantastic. I, I can't talk about this highly enough to get out and check out wild leaders because uh they have put something together that i believe is very special in this time that we're in right now and very much i'm proud to welcome inbound studio as a sponsor of faith marketplace they have generously provided their talent and expertise to develop and maintain the faith marketplace website marshall mullet the owner has a mission to help small and mid-sized businesses be more effective and efficient in getting results from their marketing technology. With their vast experience, Inbound Studios builds websites using inbound marketing methodology that provides a beautiful visitor experience that has them coming back for more. Get out and check out our website, faithmarketplace.com, to see what I'm talking about. As a result, the company has evolved into a premier provider of web technology services in the Midwest. I encourage you to check them out at inboundstudio.studio. Again, that is inboundstudio.studio. So explain a little bit more. Let's just say this is a, a company of maybe 15, 20 million, got employees, you got a Christian leader at the head. Uh, how, how do you come in there first to, uh, to uh, integrate with or talk with them? And then what is it that you're sharing with them that you're going to be able to help them to do? Yeah, that's, I love that. And oftentimes a Christian business owner, small mid cap is our sweet spot. And the reason is those are the owners that they have a value of investing in people, but they're also willing to do the work themselves. They understand their own sanctification journey. So they're not coming at it as, I'm a a well-developed leader and I have all these people who need help. In fact, that's one of the big things I like to sniff out is the person who's looking to, um, there's a difference I've learned between executive buy-in and executive participation. Yep. Big time. So they have to want it for themselves and invite their people alongside. And there has to be strategic need. So I often find a a values-based leader or a believer in business they care about investing in people and that's necessary, but insufficient. So I'm yep. always excited to hear a leader wants to invest in people, but I'm quick to ask. So what's the business need? And I'll give you a couple examples. Maybe they're in a moment of, of succession and transition. And they yep. say, I want to do a, create a management buyout. I want to pass the, this business down and keep it in community. But if I don't have a bench of leaders who are ready, we're not going to be able to thrive and flourish in my absence, reducing the owner dependency. 
and I'm either not going to retire and get paid or the business is going to flounder and that's not going to have an impact on the community. Or it could be they're trying to hand it down to um, one of their children. And so how do we help that owner figure out what their next is while we help Junior grow their capacity to take over? Or it could be somebody says, I want to grow my business, but the, the thing I need to grow my business is leaders who are ready to go. And so I need to invest in their capacity so we can open up new markets, start new products and services. So anywhere there's a strategic need for gro- that growth and transition relates to the, the capacity of leaders and their alignment, we solve that problem. So whether it ranges from succession planning to growth and scale, we can come in there and help them have a repeatable system and, and process that's not going to give people that happy kumbaya moment and then go back to work. It's actually going to increase their capacity right. over time. Yeah, and that's what I loved about the little taste you gave us here in Chicago was the fact that uh, this prog- the program has quite a breadth and depth to it, but it's very intellectually and personally focused Yeah, you know, for people to grow. And what I also loved about the valuation every year that people should go through to see their progress, because oftentimes, and I've experienced this, I've made significant progress, but I'm not celebrating in any way. I'm not stopping and looking hindsight over the bat my shoulder and saying, wow, look at what, you know, man, I did accomplish quite a bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's the point that I saw with what you guys are doing. There's these check-in points that, you know, all along the way. And it's not just pixie dust. You're not just waving a couple of things over them in a couple of days and saying, oh, Harry, yeah, now you're this fabulous leader. You know, now you're a faith-based leader or something, you know? Uh, that doesn't work that way. So uh, what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced so far with, uh, with what you're doing with leaders? You know, I mean, it's interesting because to your point, it's a, we bring a deep research-based psychological process. So somebody sees what we do, they go, oh my gosh, that is big. But the reality yep. is we're actually breaking in a big, into small bite-sized chunks. And so while it looks like a lot up front, what we've, what we've done really well is be able to build it as a nice, small, take a bite and grow, take a bite and grow. Um, the, one of the barriers is that today people want quick fixes, Bob. We want yep. the microwave solution. Yep. We also realize whether it's growing in maturity as a disciple of Christ, building our bank account, getting in shape, pick your, pick your analogy, nothing happens with a microwave approach. At least that's worthwhile. And so and sometimes I feel like uh, I'm giving people a bait and switch where they want leaders to develop quickly and fast. How do I accelerate yep. leader development? Where the reality is you don't actually accelerate the growth and development of a person. So in some ways, I'm inviting people into a different way of thinking of saying, how do you do development really well and make them and help them realize it's actually going to happen over time? It's not going to yep. be a quick moment, but you are going to get exponential change. It's just not going to happen tomorrow. So that's the biggest barrier. And I've, I've, but I found if we can get past that, if leaders can commit to the long term, then they'll do the things that they'll see even in a year. I, I have, I have so many stories of dramatic change for, for example, an owner passing it off to their child in a year where people would say, I wouldn't follow this person if they took over. So, Hey Bob, don't give the business over to junior because if you leave, I'm leaving. And a year later they will say, you know what? I wouldn't have followed that person, but now I would, but it takes that commitment for a year and not the one-time seminar. So that's, that's one of the biggest barriers I find, um, is, is, the invitation to say it's not going to take forever, but it's going to take a little bit of time. 
Yeah, you know, and it follows a lot of the model that I built for Sam, uh, the Samurai Business Group. It's not pixie dust. And people yeah. who want that, you know, instantaneous success and instantaneous business uh, uh, attainment, then I'm, I'm out. You know, I'm not in that business. Uh, our program runs at least a year long, if not longer. Uh, for individuals, it's a year long. For companies, I want a multi-year contract. Because exactly. as you know, this takes time. And if you're not willing to invest the time, and especially as something as important as leadership development and taking your company up to the next level, uh, and whether that be taking up the next level to sell it or pass it on to somebody or whatever the case might be, it's an investment. Yeah. And people have to realize that this is not pixie dust. You know, when you get into these, and, and what I also love, how individualistic your program is in, in, in helping these leaders. So why don't you share a little bit with the audience about that, how you guys step through this process. Yeah, and I love that you caught that too, because as psychologists, we talk about a focus on the one with an eye to the many. And so we yep. want to grow the capacity of the team and the organization, but we have to start with the lowest common denominator, which is the person. And so for us, it's inviting people into a pretty, pretty deep psychological process to truly understand themselves then understand others and then understand what's beyond that. And the way I think about it too, and this is where I think faith and psychology actually play really well together. It's helping people see the unseen. Mm. So when I ask a leader about the challenge they want to solve, they'll give me something about their strategy or growth or selling their business or succession, whatever that thing is, or they're talking about increasing culture or accountability. The reality though, is that the visible things, the seen are not the real issue. They're the surface yep. issue. And yep. the symptom might be conflict. It might be communication. The source is something deeper and psychological that manifests itself there. And so we've helped, our hope is to invite somebody to say, individually, if I can help your leaders see the unseen, then the invisible, if we can move the needle on the invisible, it'll start to move the needle on the visible. In the same way that in our faith, we know that it's the invisible realities that are manifesting in the visible material world. Both dimensions matter. We somehow divorce that in our businesses, whether it's a believer or not. And so in the same way, there's, uh, you know, at the end, at the end of the book of John, there's this great moment where um, Peter and John run to the tomb and the translation, it uses the word see or seen three times, but the word is different. You know, and so John gets there and he sees, but he doesn't go in. Peter goes in and he sees, and then they really see it and they get right. it. And I think sometimes with leaders too, we our hope is to individually and then collectively, can they start to see what's really happening, whether that's a root cause analysis or the invisible issue behind culture that is causing people to stay or leave. And if we can train right. leaders to do that, the impact on all the material things is tremendous. Yep. I, I absolutely agree with you and I'm in sync with it. And you guys have tapped into something to your point that is both individualistic, but also to the whole, the whole group, the whole, and, and develop, you know, developing those individual leaders where they're at and lifting them up and being able to see that. So just share a quick success story for us. You know, somebody you got into, you work with, and then what happened to the business? Yeah. So I've, I've got a couple um, that come to mind. One of them, we had an individual, this is a, a blue collar manufacturing environment. And he said, um, right up front, I've got two problem people. They're probably going to need to go in the next three months. And he named one of them and described how this person doesn't listen to people 
and does it his own way. And the other guy is this, that that's the plant manager. And the other guy's a sales guy and he's really arrogant. A year later, Bob, we had the end of the year debrief as we looked to second year. And this had already happened by, 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 by month five or six. Um, and so we'd seen it, but those two individuals, the one shares, he goes, I, I learned about myself that I'm pretty arrogant and I need to ask more people for help. And, and then we had people give each other kudos and everyone gave the plant manager so many kudos. And they said, you have turned a complete 180. You're listening, you're caring. And this is a salt of the earth, grew up driving a pitchfork, probably was born on a pitchfork, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a forklift, right? Like he probably grew up on a forklift. And so to see this, I mean, that dramatic shift in these two individuals, they, they memorialize at the end of the year, but really people are seeing the fruit and, and the root at month four or five. To me, that's the difference where they are now operating differently because they see themselves differently and then they see others. And I, I say that, Bob, because while we work with a lot of Christian businesses, our process, we work with, you name the organization or industry, we've worked with them, faith-based or not. So sometimes people think, right. well, is there, a, even a Christian owner will say, well, are there Bible verses in your, in your process? Because I, you know, I want to be sensitive to my team. Like, no, we don't. We have an underlying theology that's woven in. Every training right. program has a, an implicit theology if you ask about it, whether they're aware right. of it or not. But um, from our, my theological standpoint, when I can help, when we can invite somebody to start to see themselves as an image bearer who's dearly beloved, whether they use that language or not, if they can change how they see themselves and then change how they see others, it's dramatic. Like my favorite yep. question I get asked, Bob, is people still ask the age old, are leaders born or made? There's actually yep. a, a scientific answer for that that I often don't get into. But I ask people, I've learned to ask people back, like, what do you believe? And how mm -hmm. pe what people believe yeah. about themselves is going to manifest in how they treat other people. And so yep. those two examples, like, or just I can give dozens more. If we can invite people to see themselves differently, they'll start to see and treat others differently too. That is really – and I love you guys because – you know, the individualistic part of this, coming together as a team, <clears throat> helping them, team members, come together around a commonality of what they're trying to do, and then lifting them all up spiritually, you know, because I know that at the base of this, God's hand is all over this, you know. <laughs> so, um, are you looking for ways to increase your business? Are you hungry for business relationships that matter, that helps you grow personally, professionally, and spiritually? Well, welcome to G7 Networking with Purpose, where we form relationships that lead to quality referrals and life transformation. Experience networking with others of like mind and spirit via monthly meetings that follow a powerful format that invites interaction and connection. Immerse yourself in the proprietary G7 app, sharing leads, prayer requests, and increased visibility with the entire G7 network. Chapters are forming now in the Chicagoland area and around the U.S., so please visit g7networking.com for details and search for a chapter near you. G7 is looking for well-connected leaders to, of integrity and purpose, looking for what's next. If this sounds like you, please reach out to us via website, again, g7networking.com, or if you're interested here in Chicago, just text me at 847-922-1498. Again, Bob Lambert, text me at 847-922-1498. Um, 
what do you get God praised for in your business? In oh my, oh my goodness. I, I mean, I, I think, I think everything, I, I can't think of one thing that we're not grateful for or, or praise God for in the business on a regular basis, whether it be the team of people with us, the community around us, um, the clients who God's brought to us. I mean, I told somebody, um, this morning, I literally look at my, um, CRM system as a prayer list. And I often pray, God, bring us the right people mm-hmm. who we can invest in. And so if you've made it on my list as a prospect, that means God has entrusted you to me to pray for, for a season. Now you might actually continue in that sales cycle to becoming an, an ongoing year over year client, in which case you occupy a more, a longer term, um, part in my prayer prayer life. But I mean, I'm always amazed that God really does bring us the right people who we are uniquely equipped to serve. And oftentimes in ways that are different than we expected, you know, there's the thing you're brought in for, and then there's the thing you discover you're really there for. Yeah, that's well said. Um, how do you incorporate your faith in, 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 into the work yourself? I mean, because you, you do work with, uh, non-Christian organizations, you know, other and big corporations sometimes too. And as you know, that can get to be a, a mm-hmm. touchy point. So how do you deal with yeah. all of that? And also, it's funny because I, when I think about the words faith integration or even that word incorporate, I get that they they work. But in some ways, I, 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 w- I would like to even have a revolution in thinking about how do we have our faith inform everything else versus integrate in everything else. And so, you know, I, I'm right. deep into psychology. That's my training. And I want to think of, right. okay, yep. what do I know about my faith and theology? How do I layer, how do I integrate psychology on top of that? And then how do we contextualize it for uh, a person? So I would say my faith is driving every single thing I do, whether it's as simple as how I'm going to treat other people and uh, with care and respect to the frameworks that I'm going to use with them are going to have some anchoring beyond what I may or may not discuss. I believe all truth is God's truth. Science is just our way of discovering the breadcrumbs he laid out for us for fun. It's his, it's his Easter egg hunt, like go find this. And, and so I'd say the faith, the faith drives everything, whether it's overt or implicit. Yeah. Well, I know we're getting a little long on time here. So I got a couple at the end. I always ask, and I love these, what words of wisdom would you have given to your younger self knowing what you know now? Ooh, it's a great question. I think two passages of scripture come to me that were meaningful back uh, 15, 20 years ago, but I now more fully understand and will likely continue to understand. One is in Philippians uh, 4 when it talks about being anxious and people usually miss out. They always just say, do not be anxious about anything, you know, by prayer and petition on and on. What they miss is that it, it's, it says, because the Lord is near. And so it's not mm. just, don't be anxious, Daniel. Don't be anxious, Bob. It's Hey, the Lord is near, so don't be anxious. And so I would remind right. my I would remind myself, my younger self, hey, the Lord is near, and that's your anchor. And then secondly, that you're his workmanship. And so I love the beautiful paradox in Ephesians 2 about, you know, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. You're his workmanship. It's all grace. And he's created you in Christ Jesus to do good work, which he's prepared in advance for you. So there's this paradox of you are deeply beloved and, and from that place, go get to work. And, and so I think today I get to go work from a place of freedom, go love and learn and work from that place. And if, if I knew that more then, it probably would free me up to take more risks and have more fun and just celebrate with God and partner with him more effectively. 
Okay, so uh, you know we, we, we're relatively new friends, so maybe other people do. But uh, can you name a, you know a thing that most people don't know about <laughs> you, but would think is pretty interesting, funny, cool, amazing? Yeah. So I talked about being homeschooled. At one point, my dad decided to make and sell clocks at street fairs. There's a whole story there. So we spent about three years as a family going to street fairs and selling clocks. So here I am, eleven and twelve, okay. and I would sell clocks at street fairs. And it's funny, Bob, you quickly start to realize, ooh, that woman really likes my dad's clocks and she's going to buy 20. That guy is just kind of curious, but he's kind of, he doesn't like them. That person is going to steal a clock and I got to watch him. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. So I don't know. At the time you think it's normal and then you realize, oh, wait, you didn't sell clocks at street fairs growing up? Oh, Okay. I guess that was unique. Um, so that's just a fun tidbit growing yeah. up. Yeah, that that is great. Well, I want to thank you so much, Daniel. I've had the privilege and honor of being with you in person. You are funny. You're engaging. And you guys definitely, you and Rob definitely have a yin and yang going, buddy. That's very special. Thanks, I think you know that. So uh, I just really appreciate you spending the time with us. Let's get in a couple plugs here for you, okay? So how are people going to find Yeah, so you? Uh, our website, wildleaders.org, is the best place to start. We have mm -hmm. so many free resources, articles, videos. Uh, we also, you'll see right on our webpage, we do something called a wild conversation. It's the top banner on our website. Every week, it's, yeah. a, it's the best Zoom call you'll ever be on. You've been on it, Bob. And we have leaders from yep. all across the country, disciplines, industries, backgrounds come together to get some great psychology applied to leadership and a really rich conversation with other thoughtful leaders. So those are a couple of great ways to connect. Yeah, I, I, I can't speak highly enough of you guys. I, I just so enjoy you and everything that you bring to the party. Uh, it's just fascinating. And, I, and frankly, you know, you guys growing up in academia, what is absolutely amazing to me, how you've made the shift actual practical stuff, you know, and really, and having a lot yeah. of fun with it. Now, obviously it has a lot to do with your teaching style yeah. and what you, how you present yourself and, that, and a lot of confidence in the Lord, you know, as to he's going to put words in your mouth or he's going to help you do. Uh, also let's uh, tell people how they can access your TED yeah, talk. Yeah, they can go um, to YouTube and my TED talk is titled, if networking ever feels gross, you're doing it wrong. And so it's, <laughs> My little way of saying, how do we build professional relationships in a way that's different and makes you not feel like you need to take a shower after a networking event? Um, and yeah, uh, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun title and a fun talk. I so enjoyed it. I, I, got, I just <laughs> laughed my butt off when I, when I was listening to it because it's just, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, I coach and teach all this stuff and I, you know, and I'm outgoing. I, I go to events all the time and everything like that. But I see the trepidation so much with people that are clients or whatever that we do, and and it, it just overwhelms them sometimes. So um, I have to really make sure that we you know calm the temperature down yeah. uh, and their anxiety down before they go to one of these, and really give them a formula that when you, they go that they can complete it, they can feel well done. Because a lot of people are exhausted after going to a, a networking event or being online or some of the stuff yeah. that you all know. And uh, how, how do you how do you bring that down to Tara, you know, <laughs> Tara Firma and say, you know, it, you know, there's a lot worse things that could happen. Absolutely. To you, you know? <laughs> 
And we, we, we love that. And these, uh, these uh, uh, podcasts that we do with you guys are just fabulous. So I just want to wish you and Rob well. I can't wait to see you guys again. I know you're coming to Chicago again. We've talked about that. And, uh, and certainly uh, uh, you got a gift. I got to tell you, Daniel, I love you guys when you came and you have a gift that you can give to everybody. And we're going to fill up a room the next time. I love it. Well, thanks, Bob. And doing this podcast is a gift, too. Why don't you give them some information about how they can get a hold Perfect. of you, okay? What's, what's the best way? Yeah, to best get way to get a hold of me would be to email daniel at wildleaders.org or connect with me on LinkedIn. There you go. All right, buddy. Well, God bless. And thank you for being our uh, guest. Thank today. you for the terrific. gift for I me. It would be a great. <laughs>